Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Parliament Hill still center stage uh, because of, uh, well, first of all, the essay in Lavalin, NSC rather, a Lavalin story that continues. Uh, what happened, what conversation took place between the Prime Minister and then uh, Justice Minister and Attorney General uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould? Well, we still don't quite have the answers to that, do we? Uh, there were a couple of motions presented by the opposition yesterday for an, uh, an inquiry. Uh, that was voted down by the majority of Liberals. Uh, and another one for the Prime Minister to actually lift the uh, the, the confidentiality uh, re- reference that he keeps talking about uh, that was essentially blocking uh, Ms. Wilson-Raybould from speaking. That was also defeated. But uh, Jody Ro- Wilson-Raybould actually had something to say about that. She stood up in the Commons and, uh, first of all, said she was going to decline to vote on this because she had a conflict of interest and then went on to say... I have um, said that I am seeking counsel on this matter of what I can and cannot say. I understand fully that Canadians want to know the truth and want transparency. Privilege and confidentiality are not mine to waive, and I hope that I have the opportunity to speak my truth. Uh, and with that, she pretty much tossed the ball right back to the Prime Minister, saying it's really up to him if uh, you want to go through with this and actually have her uh, speak what she wants to sp- speak about and maybe add some clarity to this. Joining us to try to add some clarity to what we're seeing here over the last couple of days is Greg McEachern, Senior Vice President with Government Relations at Proof Strategies. Uh, Greg, first of all, thank you so much for the time. It's good to have you with us today. You said I'm going to add clarity. I think you're really raising expectations <laughs> there. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaning on you here, Greg. Come on. <laughs> uh, this this gets curiouser and curiouser with every day, and, and it seems to be dragging on. I know just a couple of seconds ago the Prime Minister did a Q&A about another announcement, but, of course, this is this is what everybody seems to want to talk about. Are we ever going to get to the bottom of this? Um, I, from what I'm told is that this is not over by a long shot. Um, and, uh, so I think, you know, the fact that, uh, it, it, you know, as, as you said, yesterday was an eventful day, but so was the day before. And so yeah. was today with a big leak in the, in the Globe and Mail. And, uh, you know, it reminds me, um, you know, as an East coaster of the old line, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes, you know, if you don't like the latest bit in this story, wait five minutes, something more is coming. And, and as an old communications guy, you know, one of the things about putting out a fire is, you know, you cut off the oxygen, you stop giving it fuel. And every day there's been some fuel on this, um, you know, with the very surprise um, revelation that she was, uh, she that um, former Minister Wilson-Raybould asked to speak to Cabinet and she was granted that. It took a while for them to agree to it. Did that surprise you? It, hugely, hugely surprised to me. To suggest that's unprecedented, I think, is an understatement, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I you know, uh, traveled with a member of Parliament in 1988. Uh, I'm a very, very young man. I was 11 at the time. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, but I've been around politics for a long time. I have never seen anything like this. Um, I was with uh, some senior reporters last night uh, here in Ottawa, and they said the same thing. There's nothing like this. And, and in terms of being unprecedented, you know, once you walk away from Cabinet, you know, with some rare exceptions where people have taken, you know, kind of a time out. I can think of, you know, Jean Charest or, or David Colinette. Um, most people are done. That's it. And, uh, you know, if you wanted to say something at the cabinet table while you were a minister was probably where you had more influence, in my opinion. So very, very odd. 
and and what she said, well, the, the, I mean, let's face it, it was behind closed doors, but I mean, there are leaks all over the place. I mean, you wandered around the halls of Ottawa for long enough to know that uh, it's just a matter of who you're going to talk to, and somebody's going to kind of nudge, nudge, wink, wink. But get the impression that I guess she gave her side of the story to to the to the cabinet. Uh, and, and maybe that's what we're going to hear when she appears before the committee. Uh, but I, I got the sense in some of the reporting that I've read uh, since uh, she did that, Greg, that a lot of the members uh, in the cabinet actually seemed a lot relieved as if, oh, that's what happened. I mean, and now they're not saying that, but I mean, not Ralph Goodale, who uh, was one of the few people that spoke after the meeting, seemed to leave that impression that, okay, you know, the, the dust is cleared and we see that this was, I think, actually one of the classifications they used was just a bad misunderstanding. Yeah, and I think the difference here is, yes, there's lots of leaks and there's lots of stories, but cabinet is pretty tight. Um, as somebody who used to write memos for cabinet, you know, you, you take this very seriously. You're given a secret clearance. Some people have top secret clearances. And, um, you know, it, one of the challenges, I think, around the Hill is that a lot of times staffers are not briefed well enough on what their, their duties and responsibilities are. But at the senior level, you can't say that, especially when you have to go through um, the, the process of getting a security clearance. So this story in the Globe and Mail today does put a bit of a different spin on it. And my question, and, and this is something that your, your listeners may want to watch today, is that it seems that a, two stories now that have been very positive about uh, the former minister have now appeared in the Globe and Mail. And you know yourself as a journalist, if you're not one of those favorite journalists receiving those leaks, your bosses are telling you you have to match the story. Oh, yeah. There is going to be a level of annoyance that is growing on this. You know, if, if, if the member of parliament stands in her place in the House yesterday and says she wants to have the opportunity to speak her truth, but the truth seems to be coming out sourced, it, has to, it, it sounds like someone very close to, to, to uh, Wilson Raybould. I, I, can't you see this really ticking off some of the press gallery? I, I can. Well, sure it can. I mean, and, and I know Robert Pfeiffer is a very well-respected journalist. He's been around the Hill for years and years and years in a number of different capacities, and he's with the Globe and Mail now. So, you know, good on him, I guess, for, for finding a source and, and going with this story right now. But you got to know that just about everybody else, I mean, the other guys that have been up there for years and years, the John Iversons and everyone else, are thinking, you know, i got to get something out of this too. So they're, I, they're, they're mining, I guess, right now, Greg, trying to get the, the scoop on what's going on here. Which yeah, is, you, you've got Richard Brennan coming up. I'd, yeah. I'd be dying to know what Badger thinks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll ask him. It's, it's awfully hard, you know, Badger. It's hard to get a good opinion out of him, but you know, well, <laughs> he's a very reticent young man. Yeah. yeah, he is. But listen, you you were there in the Martin era too, the Paul Martin era, uh, and and obviously with you know if you're going to play word association, you think, oh my God, sponsorship scandal, which was not really his doing, but you know the, then the Gomria Commission came out and that and that dogged that government, and maybe it was I think a contributing factor, obviously in their election loss in, in early 26. Uh, is this the same magnitude, Greg? Are we looking at the same sort of thing? I'm not sure it is as of yet. I'm not sure that the average Canadian is able to, um, and, and, and I'm, again, judging this from diff, different streeters, which are obviously not scientific, um, where, whether or not they quite understand what the impact is. Um, as well, the fact that the government appears to have been, let, let's just say, uh, I, as a former staffer, I, I can see how you can confuse pressure with due diligence. Um, you want to make sure that you've asked all the questions before a decision is made. But the fact that the government was asking those questions is going over very well in the province of Quebec, where there are a lot of jo jobs associated with this company. So this story is being covered very different 
in Quebec than it is in the rest of Canada. We seem to be obsessed with the personalities of it because it's it's fascinating that, you know, someone that was obviously very close to the prime minister, he recruited her and there's something's gone awry. You know, our reality TV watching habits have trained us to be really interested in the personalities. It's not about the personalities in Quebec. It appears to be about business and about saving jobs. And those seats in Quebec are how are a very key path to re-election for the Liberals. And they're also a very key path for Andrew Scheer and the Conservatives. They've been spending a lot of time in Quebec, hopefully to kind of recapture some of the seats that they used to have. The NDP, you know, did very well in Quebec in uh, in, in 2011 under Jack Layton, and that's what gave them official um, opposition status. Um, but they seem to be in a bit of freefall. So this, this, there's a, a couple of you know nuances here that aren't quite uh, as cut and dried as this is a bad story for the Liberals. It's not necessarily a bad story for them um, regionally in Quebec. But but it is playing well. I mean, this is this is red meat for the opposition parties, and we saw that during question period over the last couple of days. Uh, they, they you know they they get their teeth into something like this, and they're not going to let go of it. You mentioned earlier. I used to use your metaphor. You got to you got to cut off the oxygen so this thing doesn't start to explode on them. How do you do that? Is is the, is the testimony from Wilson Raybould the, the key to this thing? I, I think it is. I mean, the challenge is. Um, there's, this is self-inflicted. So, to, to you know, this is in terms of Gomery, um, that's where I would draw the parallel. And and I would say one of the you know criticisms I have of this government is that the biggest issues that they've had to deal with that have not been related to Donald Trump have been self-inflicted. Yeah. Aga Khan, the India trip, and now this. Um, and it's the the opposition hasn't really been able to take a story. They they tend to take it a little bit too far and push it right off the cliff. Um, and so it'll be interesting to to, to see uh, you know what happens with with this one, how the opposition handles it. Um, I noticed uh, you know last week in the deputy leader uh, Lisa Raitt, um, you know kind of admitted on a television interview that they would probably have the same approach to SNC Lavalin. Again, they're being very mindful of of potential support in in Quebec. Well, it, and there's there's that gray area that a lot of us may not quite understand, uh, because obviously the opposition are going to try to inflate things. I mean, that's what opposition parties do. You know, whoever's on the other side of the floor is going to try to make the most out of this. And and there's there's the insinuation, of course, that the fact that there was a conversation between the prime minister and the justice minister about this file was crossing a line. And and from a technical standpoint, I, I was talking to John Iverson about this the other day, Greg. He says, no, that's fine. Uh, you can do that. I mean, and as a matter of fact, he said they'd be derelict in their duty if they didn't talk exactly. about that because of the implications, not just exactly. in Quebec, but on a national basis. But, but you know, where did, if in fact, it, I, I, this is true, what we're, we're hearing is rumor at this stage, where did the minister get the idea that she was being pressured into making a decision or making a call on that? Or did that even happen? That seems to be the key. And, and, and until we get that resolved, I guess you're absolutely right. That oxygen is going to keep flowing into this. And if this discussion, this pressure happened in November, December, yet she was shuffled, but and then in January, but didn't resign until February, why the why the time differential? If there was an if the issue was in 2018, why did the resignation happen in 2019? That's a question I keep coming back to. What was the the, the turning point around this? I, I do think that the shuffle itself, the communications around it were, was not done well. I, I think if you and I had been talking that day and Jane Philpott had been sent to Veterans Affairs, the narrative would have been Philpott has done exceedingly well in her previous two portfolios. They're putting her in Veterans to, cl- to clean it up, to fix it. There was nothing like that around her move, so it was viewed as a demotion. 
I, are we barking up the wrong tree here? I, you know, when, when that cabinet shuffle occurred, and, and obviously we, you know, we characterize this as a demotion, uh, I speculated, as a, a few others did at the time, that Meta had something to do with the Huawei circumstance, too, that really seemed to put the, the, the Canadian government between a rock and a hard place. Was, was it a cumulative thing then, you think, Greg, that maybe forced the prime minister into a move like this? Here's, here's my, my challenge, is that there were some... Uh, so the original story for this is a source story. There's an, it's anonymous. Yeah. On the weekend, Canadian press ran a source story as well that talked about some of her colleagues' feelings about how she operated, and it was negative. The backlash uh, against that story was huge in, in Ottawa. Um, what I just said to you about my question around the, the difference, I had a prominent former liberal on Twitter uh, accuse me of attacking former minister Wilson Raybould by saying that. And I had a, a ton of Twitter trolls come after me uh, because of that. So there's a lot of sensitivities, but uh, you know, people in Ottawa talk about cabinet ministers all the time, the good, the bad, the ugly. And um, I think the fact in itself that the narrative drove this as a demotion says a lot about uh, what people in Ottawa thought of, of, of how people were operating as cabinet ministers. I'll leave it at that. Because yet you could make an argument uh, that uh, actually Veterans Affairs was not a demotion. It's a, it's a file, frankly, that needs an awful lot of work uh, that, that has been mishandled for a number of years, even before this administration took over. Yeah, full disclosure, you know, in my day job, I'm a lobbyist, and I've worked on a couple of military and veterans files. Uh, presently, I'm not. So I knew this file quite intimately under the previous government and at the beginning of this government. Um, veterans supported the Liberals in, immensely in the yeah. 2015 election. And there's a lot of noise now that they're very very unhappy. So this, absolutely, you could have you know, proposed a narrative that we want a fresh face handling this file going into the 2019 election because we haven't forgotten you. There was lots of ways to communicate this. Uh, she's going to, well, she's scheduled anyway to testify. Uh, the key question here is, is she going to be unshackled? I mean, you've seen some of the media reports that say uh, today, uh, a lot of them, I guess, in the Toronto Sun and the National Post, uh, suggesting that this whole idea about confidentiality is, is really just a ruse, that she's free to say whatever she wants. I'm not sure if that's the legal advice that she's getting, but that's, that's another story that's out there that the government's going to have to deal with. Well, and, and that's something that she said herself. And obviously, you know, as a very qualified lawyer, was Canada's, you know, lawyer for, for quite a while. But yes, you know, the headline on CBC this morning, can she claim solicitor-client privilege, privilege? The jury's out. So we don't know. And, and if she, you know, originally she, she was very set that she, in terms of her understanding, but then she is also seeking legal advice. So that, I guess, does add a little another wrinkle to it. Perhaps, you know, she's not entirely sure. I heard a theory yesterday that she could say whatever she wanted while standing in her seat in the House of Commons because she would be protected. It's uh, going to be an interesting week. Uh, never dull on the hill, is it? Never. I, yes, but I've never seen anything like this. It's, it's, you know, someone said to me, you know, it's like the there's someone in the foxhole and you're not sure who they're shooting at. Well, and uh, I, I'm sure they're cognizant of the fact that there's an election later this year. You don't want this thing hanging around. No, not at all. And you know, something that may be of interest to your to your listeners is that yesterday, the uh, the date for the federal budget was revealed. Yeah. It will be March nineteenth, and that uh, although the Liberals have not as been as successful as the, the the Harper government in terms of you know communicating budgets, you know, I, I think of Jim Flaherty's when he you know eliminated the penny as something that you know very memorable. But that that may be something that changes the channel. But that's a month away.
Exactly. Greg, thanks so much for this. Uh, you did shed some light on this. Uh, we're just, so we're, we're good. We're better than we were, I hope. Until uh, probably five minutes from now when something else happens up there, right? You're very kind. Have a great day. You too. Thanks so much. Greg McKechn, of course, uh, with uh, Proof Strategies. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.